Imagine, I mean, I, it's not completely comparable, but imagine that China was obsessed with arming Hawaii to become an independent state. I wonder how Washington would mm, react to something like that. I'm a PhD in sociology from uh, way back in time at Lund University in South Sweden. So I'm a social scientist and I've specialized all my academic life on peace studies. That is a branch of social studies where we deal with reducing violence exactly as a doctor reduces our diseases if he or she can. And then disseminating this through research, public outreach and activities on the ground. I worked in a lot of war zones and tried to heal wounds after wars. It's always very difficult to uh, find the reality between, beneath those types of personal meetings. Um, my quick reading on CNN and BBC and others of what happened yesterday was a benevolent Chinese president who emphasized cooperation, who emphasized that we must solve humanity's problems together, etc. And a Biden who, if he's clear in his brain for some short period, uh, tries to say the same. But then immediately after he gets a question at the press conference, do you still think that Xi Jinping, the Chinese president, would you still call him a dictator? Well, I think his formulation is, I spent more than 60 hours with the Chinese president, and yes, I would. And the answer is, why? And the question is from Biden, because he runs a communist country that is different from ours. Now, if that's your attitude, if that's your intellectual level, that somebody who runs a country according to different principles is by definition a dictator. <laughs> I mean, if you think somebody is a dictator, you will treat that person and his country in a different way from if you think he's just a different kind of leader from us, but he's okay. The United States of America and much of the Christian world cannot live without, without somebody who is different threatening non-believers don't do what we tell them to do and who do not accept mission. So I believe that that has been sped up, let's say, since the last five to ten years. If I give you an example, I think it's now five years ago that the Congress passed a law, and listen carefully, a law which set off $1,500 million, $1.5 billion, over five years to train Western journalists in writing negative stories about China. That's done by the state agency or media in the United States. Now those of us who go to China, or Westerners who live here and see the complexities and the broadness and try to understand China on Chinese premises, see it differently. But that is where they are. They need desperately to have enemies. And if you don't have enemies, and I don't see anything in China's foreign policy that is a threat to the United States. It is not China that has its vessels outside California's coast or Florida's coast. It is the West that has all its vessels around China. And the AUKUS uh, cooperation with Australia and the submarines that are there. And the Germans who are in, the, in, the, in your waters, uh, the international waters around you too. And the Taiwan issue. 
I don't see China do these things to the West. Imagine, I mean, I, it's not completely comparable, but imagine that China was obsessed with arming Hawaii to become an independent state. I wonder how Washington would mm, react to something like that. And therefore you invent your enemies. If you want enemies, it's easy to make it. You now have Russia, you have a large part of the African world, the, the global south, and you have China. That you declare, don't follow us, are different from us, think differently, and therefore they are our enemies. This is very, very dangerous and very, very sad because we could gain so much from working together. And I can still only hope that there will be somebody who comes to their senses and it will not be Biden and it will not be Trump and change America from the inside because the moment America with all its resources, creativity and ideas and history and knowledge begin to become a partner in the world, not somebody who insists on dominating over everybody else. The world will be a much better place and the United States will be a much better place. So I'm looking for a peaceful revolution where the Americans will rise and say, enough is enough with your empire and militarism. We want a good society here and we want to be friends with the world. The only candidate who is saying that at the moment is Robert Kennedy Jr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. But it remains to be seen whether he will have a chance to become a president. I doubt it. But we'll see. Well, if you look at what I would call the social cosmology of the West, it's very much made up of center periphery, one God, one truth, either or thinking, male or female, left or right, not both and. And it is handicapped by being a culture of mission or missionary. You have the French word civilization. Mission Civilisatrice, the idea that we are supposed as number one world, you remember it was one called the first world, the second world, the third world and the fourth world, that by the first one there's this idea that we shall all move up to become like the West, Europe and the United States. And that idea of course is everywhere, whether in colonialist times in Africa or elsewhere with the liberation movements in the 60s, they said, we do not want to be, we don't want to have your system, whether it's Christianity or it's your way of thinking of human rights or whatever. And you have the same question here in, in China uh, with the uh, opening up of Nixon and Chu Enlai's meeting via the connection of Chess Freeman and Kissinger that the hope was that if we open up to China, we will achieve two things. One, we will see to it that China and Russia will not be uh, uh, ganging up against us. We'll split you. And secondly, we hope China will go our way, become a multi-party system with a capitalist economy and be like us. This be like us is over. This be like us or become like us is over. And that's what the Americans cannot understand. They still believe that they have to lead, that the world must be led by the Americans. And the reason they can't see it and they are in denial is that it's going down. Not the US as a state or a society, but as an empire. And all empires go down. There's no empire that has existed forever. So you may say the United States today is titanic. The West is sitting as restaurants in Titanic and the water is coming up around the windows. Now instead of then reaching out and say, okay, our time is over, we will be one among many and we will cooperate with you. 
what they do is they insist on one thing and that is to dominate by means of deception, untruths, narratives, and secondly, militarism. I would like to predict at this occasion the United States will go the same way as the Soviet Union because it, it is militarizing itself to death. The Americans don't do diploma, diplomacy anymore, they send weapons. They pour in weapons because that's what they are best at. But no country can survive with just being strong in one sense, for instance militarily. If you become politically weak, you become economically weak, you become psychologically weak, you become weak in terms of international law and legitimacy, then you are on your way down. A strong country is one which has high level on all power indicators and do not over-militarize and neglect the other power scales. The United States has, you can say, a MIMAC. MIMAC, Military Industrial Media Academic Complex. These are elites who have common interests with each other, such as producing weapons, selling weapons, using weapons, destroying countries, rebuilding countries again. But they do not have any common interest with the people in their countries. They're outside democratic control, and who said that? President Dwight D. Eisenhower in 1961 or two, or whenever he made his farewell speech. It's a very famous speech by a man who was a general himself. Who said the United States has developed a military industrial complex? He didn't call it MIMAC as I do. And we need to put it under control to remain a democracy. What is undermined very, very clearly now is pluralist open media and our democracy in the West because everything is now geared to warfare and militarism. More, more, more. There's nobody who stops to think. There's nobody who stops to think about the long-term consequences of pouring in weapons and never solving the conflicts. You just look at what goes on now in Israel. The country that has so much weaponry already, had nuclear weapons, have had a special agreement with weapons with the United States, $5 billion a year, I don't know for how many years. What is the first reaction in Washington? We must transfer, transfer even more weapons to Israel. This is a sick society. It's a sick way of thinking. And of course, this whole thing has to do with, as I said before, the dream, the unrealistic dream or illusion that if we can get rid of Russia as an opponent, and we could, we have created that opponent ourselves because they have never invaded a NATO country, they hope that they can concentrate all NATO's resources on a cold war or, God forbid, a hot war against China. You just go to NATO's homepage and you look at the threat perception. NATO is now characterized to be something like a church. You either believe in this nonsense or you don't. There's never an argument on NATO's homepage. The text is, China is a threat or a challenge because China is different from us. China has different interests from us in the West. Now, if that's how you define a threat, everybody around the world basically is a threat. So the whole thing is a military-industrial complex lives from finding enemies because if you don't have enemies, or say you have enemies, or appoint somebody, or make enemies, you can't legitimate your own arms development, and the military-industrial-media-academic complex will fall apart. 
So that's why the moment we get rid of that military, industrial, media, academic complex, we can begin to talk to each other as human beings. So the long story short here, I think, is that um, I wouldn't trust that the Americans are going to change much unless there is a people's revolution, nonviolent, not the stupid thing that, that we saw on 6th of January two years ago. But if there is a, a, an uprising in the United States saying, no more militarism, we want a good society here, we want cooperation with China and everybody else in the world, we need to cooperate to solve humanities, environmental problems, poverty problems, infrastructure problems, all these things. We're wasting every hour for humanities and our children's future by militarism and warfare. Now, I know that China is the second largest military power on Earth and it has nuclear weapons. I have a problem with that, but that's my problem. But the long story short is that China wants cooperation. It wants the Belt and Road Initiative. It wants a good relationship with the U.S. It maybe do things we don't like in the West, but it's not a reason to have a Cold War against it. It's a reason to talk with it. So therefore, these meetings are important. But we need much more dialogue in terms of online thinking. We need NGOs working together. We need cultural people working together. In parentheses, I'm also an art photographer and I'm trying to do an exhibition here in China about dialogue. And those types of things that can soften the hardliners, undermine the hardliners who want sooner or later a war. And if you ask me, Taiwan, it's very simple. It's China. It's China and it's very clear in the communique between Chu and Lai and Nixon, I think it's number 12, it's a very large document, it's very clearly saying the United States will not interfere in this issue. And so we have a one China policy. It does all the things it shouldn't do in Taiwan. And I have a huge problem with that. I'm not very popular saying that in the West. But if we keep on doing this, we can only hope that China will be patient enough for long enough for the United States to sink on its own in that destructive self-militarization. But I would wish, as somebody who has never hated the US and never been anti-US, or I'm anti-American, as they say, I'm a collector of American art, I work with American scholars every day, that the United States will come to its senses and begin to see itself as one partner of the world and not a dominator, an imperialist and militarist. I think it's possible. We still have this possibility of rising from below in the Western world and say enough is enough. I'm looking for democracy to work that way. I'm not looking for Biden or, or um, Trump. <laughs> I don't think they will change the system. We need a system change in the West. Well, there can't be peace in the world without the two biggest countries and economies working together. Again, I would have hoped that the European Union would be helpful. The European Union could have been a mediator in a way between Americans' hardline anti-China policies and China. But with von der Leyen obviously being more or less you know, a propagator of Washington, having no independent mind or thinking uh, of the European Union, and with Mr. Borrell, who's basically a racist, remember his statement about the paradise in Europe and the jungle outside that is dangerous, there's not much hope there either. I was a believer in the European Union because I thought it could be another West with a more intelligent dialogue policies, East, West, North and South than the empire over there were in Washington was, but I was wrong. 
So I'm not very optimistic on the short run. In the long run, I'm optimistic because the day the US empire has fallen, NATO will fall apart. There's no NATO without the US leadership and militarism. And that's the moment when we can create a multipolar, peaceful, cooperative world. I hope I live long enough to see that materialize. Thank you.